back to the Mike Meets London Tastemakers podcast. In this episode, I chat to Lungi from the Treats Club, London's premier supplier of fresh hot donuts. We talk about how Lungi went from making cakes as a side gig while working in makeup in Dubai to being one of London's top dessert pioneers and making it onto the Forbes 30 Under 30 list. We caught up online, so apologies for a little fluctuation in audio quality, but otherwise, enjoy! So, I'm here with the mastermind behind one of the capital's most beloved dessert brands, uh, The Treats Club. Do you want to introduce yourself and give us the elevator pitch for what The Treats Club is, or has been at least until recently? <laughs> sure. Um, so, for everyone who doesn't know, my name's Lungi, and I am the owner and founder of Treats Club Dessert Bar. So, Treats Club is essentially London's main, and I feel like I can confidently say this, London's main hot donut um, business. So we previously used to have shops and we're going to kind of delve into that today. Mm-hmm. But right now we're solely an events pop up business with home delivery thrown in there and kind of a mix of everything. Um, but we're mainly an events business now, which, you know, once again, we will touch on today. Um, and we started in November 2018. So we're coming up to three years in November which is a bit mental to be honest I don't quite know how we got here but here we are Um, and yeah essentially our dessert business is just centered around donuts donuts and more donuts that's just what I decided to specialize in kind of by accident and I'm really glad I did because it works well for me Um, I feel like it really works well for my customers and I actually don't get bored of making donuts like I truly don't so I mean not yet it's only been three years ask me in five if I'm sick of it I'm probably sure I will be but for now I'm fine like I'm still loving it nice yeah I think you make anything for five years and you probably get at least a little bit sick of it maybe <laughs> yeah. but uh exactly. yeah donuts 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 is definitely a uh, a business pitch that I can get behind for sure <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> but to kind of take things back in time a little um do you have a particular kind of history with food or like donuts in particular i suppose that kind of led up to you starting the business so i actually have no history whatsoever in food which is hilarious because i jumped straight in and started a food business i actually used to work in makeup that was what i used to do so i used to be a makeup trainer for mac cosmetics so a completely different industry mm-hmm. um and yeah i just so basically how the journey started was i used to um work for mac and i used to be a trainer so i used to teach people how to do makeup and i did that in birmingham to start off with then in london then i moved to dubai did that for four years in dubai then after dubai i went to italy did that for a year living in italy and then i came back here worked for another company got fired from that job and in the, yeah, I got fired after like two months, but I'm happy with the fact that I got fired. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. And um, that same company tried to book me afterwards, which is hilarious. <laughs> but anyway, we'll touch on that. We'll touch on that another time. But yeah, so I started um, doing donuts. I actually originally started doing cakes whilst I was in Dubai, just as like a side thing. Mm. Um, I used to get quite stressed because a lot of people had like a really affluent Dubai experience. Mine wasn't so much to start off with. Like eventually once I got into a better job with Mac, it was. But at the time when I first got there, like I was living in a room where you couldn't even fit a single bed in. Like that's how small my room was. It was terrible um but the only thing that would kind of like calm me down and make me feel good is like baking Mm. not even to eat anything just to actually the process of like and everyone who loves to bake or cook will say this it's more about the whole getting everything together and trying new things and that part so I just started to really love it 
then I started to make it for the trainings that we were doing at the time. Mm. And all of my team just kept saying, oh, these are incredible, these are incredible. But at the time it was just cakes, like I'd never done a donut before. And then people started asking me, oh, can you make it for my birthday? Can you make it for this birthday? And I was like, oh, incredible. Just the thought of doing that for somebody was so exciting to me. That was happening. So I then decided to specialize in cakes. And then one day someone asked me to make them donuts and I never made donuts before. And at the time I didn't really have a strategy because I wasn't running a business. I was just doing it as a hobby. So whatever people asked me to make, I would do it. So I made them donuts. They were disgusting. They were terrible. They were oily and dense and weren't proof because I didn't even know what that meant at the time. I had no idea. Um, but the fillings were amazing. And the customer said to me, she was like, your fillings were amazing, but the donuts were so greasy. <laughs> and I obviously felt like terrible. And I really hope she's out there somewhere so like I can remake them for her again. <laughs> but yeah, so long story short, when I mess something up, I'm always obsessed with the idea of getting it right. And I think this is a quality that is in pretty much every chef, pastry chef. Mm -hmm. We we just obsess over like nailing a recipe or creating something and it being like, oh my God, this is like that feeling just never goes away. Um, so because of that, I then became obsessed with like, okay, I've messed this up this time. Probably should have done this before I did the order, but here we are. <laughs> um, and then I ended up just like obsessively making donuts until I created some that I thought, okay, these are amazing. Started doing a couple of little markets in Dubai, but then it all tapered off a little bit. So I kind of knew that this was what I wanted to go into doing, but didn't quite know how to do it thought makeup was going to be my path my path but I realized to be honest with you I was never really that good at makeup I just more was good at getting along with people hmm. and so getting fired was the best thing that ever happened to me so I came back to London in June 2018 had the job for like two months got fired and then started my business in the November and it's kind of been a bit of a crazy journey ever since so yeah that's the beginnings of Treats Club Nice. Yeah, that's a pretty quick turnaround as well from uh, landing back on uh, London soil. <laughs> yeah, very quick. Very, a bit too quick, to be honest. But <laughs> I don't like to mess around. Like once I have an idea in my head, it just it just has to happen. Otherwise, like I can't rest. So, you know. And uh, when, when you started out, I mean, I can't remember exactly what came first, but I think one of the first steps was that pop up in Old Street Roundabout. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Mike, we know I love to talk about this pop-up, you know, my, like the worst thing that's ever happened to me. But I do actually like to talk about it because I think it's really, yeah, it's an important thing. So, yeah, so you, that was when I think I first met you. Mm, was yeah, that that's that right. But, yeah, so that pop-up, so I've had a vision board for years and on my vision board where pretty much everything that's already happened to me is on my vision board. So specifically Old Street Station was on my vision board for like three years before I did it, specifically uh -huh. that station, just because it was always known for pop-ups. Like they'd had so many amazing ones. Blondie's Kitchen started there. That was their first place they were born from and they had their whole like success from there. So many other brands, um, Good and Property, who I was trading um, next to the other day, they started there. Like so many different places have had a pop-up there. So for me, when the opportunity came up to do it, my stepdad and my mum were like, there's no way you can say no to this. Like, this is incredible. Yes, it's expensive. Like, I think it was £185 a day. Right, right. Um, and when, yeah, it's a lot. Um, and when you're in a start in, like, an emerging business, that's a lot of money to for a four-week pop-up. Like, it's a few few thousand pounds. Um, and my stepdad actually went into his pension and his savings mm to do that to help me put the money forward for that without even any hesitation like he was so excited for me to do it um and then obviously 
we were told, oh, you're going to make this amount of money. Oh, make sure you're prepared for this amount of people. What we weren't told is where we were placed in the station. The exit, the main exit that everyone goes to had been shut because of all of the construction works. So instead of everyone walking past us, they were all going the other way. Did, I, I probably saw, at, like on some days, you would see maybe 150 people walk past you a day. Right. I don't think people understand. When you're working in retail, you're lucky to catch, like they say, between 2 to 5% of people who go past you, right? So if you're in Oxford Circus and you have 3 million people going past there on a Saturday... That doesn't mean they're not they're all gonna come into your store. That's not how it works. Damn. Um yeah, exactly, right? So no one tells you this when you're first starting out because you just assume, oh my god, Oxford Circus, that's why the rents are so expensive. Or oh my god, Old Street is expensive because we're hundred percent guaranteed this amount of footfall. Otherwise, why would anyone pay that? But what I was forgetting was a lot of the businesses who were doing it at the time I was doing it, when the construction works were there, were established businesses who weren't interested in making sales. It was more of a promotional situation, um, which if I'd gone into there knowing that, I would have done it for a week instead of committing to four. Um, and I would have gone in there being like, it doesn't matter what we make. I would have given out free donuts even, which mm. probably would have gained us more. Like I would have just done it in a whole completely different way, which is why it really disappoints me when companies aren't honest because I am not naive to the fact that like, business sometimes doesn't work out for you. It's happened to me many times before. It happens to a lot of people. But I just unfortunately didn't get the right information. So long story short, we were supposed to do four weeks. I cut it down to two because I was like, I can't do it. It was absolute hell. The first day we were told we, sh we should sell like four to 500 donuts. We ended up selling 17 in the first day, which was like, I can laugh about it now because it is hilarious. But when I think of how upset I was at the time, it still gives me a little bit of PTSD, mm. just a tiny bit, just a tad. But it taught me a lot of lessons and it kind of did give me a lot of exposure at the time and made me feel a bit more like an established business, um, which for me is the most important thing. And my parents were incredible. Like my stepdad, even till now, is just like so proud of me for doing it. Um, and it almost taught me like what my character can be made of because literally two days after that happened, I was straight back into, okay, I'm doing events, so I'm gonna do this. And I didn't stop. And I think for a lot of people, a situation like that could have like broken them, but I'm really pleased that I carried on with it. So yeah, so I think that was when we, to digress, that was <laughs> when we first ever met. And yes, it's a bad experience, but it's also one of the best experiences that has happened to me. And I wouldn't change it for the world. I really wouldn't. Nice. Yeah, I, I kind of brought it up, as you say, like lots of really big brands, yeah, like got their start there or like made a big splash there. And I, I think like, it'd be fair to say that sort of from there and like some of the other stuff you've done in terms of stores at Nettle Market and mm. recently Seven yeah. Dials Market, like might be what people would describe as a sort of quote unquote traditional like street trader kind of route. Um, yeah. But sort of in the past, well, like month or so, you've gone through like a bit of a shake up, right? So... <laughs> Do you Just want to tell bit. us kind of like, yeah, what the what the shift is and kind of what the reasoning behind that was? So, yeah, so for those people who don't know, um, I, up until August the 8th, had two shop locations. So I had one at Nestle Market in Hackney, which was like the first thing I'd ever opened and I had it open for a year. 
and it was the first permanent location I ever had. And then I had a space inside Seven Dials Market in Covent Garden, which is like a beautiful food hall um, in central London. It's incredible. Like it's just like a completely different beast of its own. And to be honest with you, once again, these both of these places were on my vision board, specifically Nettle Market was on. I don't know why it was, but it just, I don't know, something about it just drew me to it. It wasn't just the very, very reasonably priced rent. Huh. It was also, it was also just something about it just drew me to it. And for years I was trying to get a space there. Like I was emailing them almost every other week, every other month, trying to like somebody to respond. And then eventually they had a space and they did, and it was amazing and it just all lined up. Um, and then Seven Dials, they approached me and this was like three So I opened Nettle August 2020. Yeah, in the pandemic, August 2020. And then I opened in Seven Dials in the October. So it was only a few months later, I'd gone from having no shops to like all of a sudden I'm running two locations, which at the time seemed like a really good idea and like very manageable. And then <laughs> the reality of it was completely different. And I think so for me i loved being able to see like same customers coming every week like loyal people coming to see me that part i loved the part i didn't necessarily enjoy at all was the like working every single day fighting at all times to keep things fresh and busy and just constantly having to innovate at a speed that isn't natural for anyone to have to do so just mm. because of outside influence um, and also Nettle and Common Garden are just are like in Seven Dials are two completely different beasts, right? Nettle is very much like a shack. It's literally a shed. <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. It's, it's, a, it's a garden shed. That's literally what they bought was a garden shed and they turned it into a shop. That's all it is. So it's made from wood at all sides. There's not even an inch of metal on it apart from the screws. So it's a completely different thing because it's a shack next to a port in like a corner. And all of a sudden I was cooking food from there. Whereas Seven Dials is like this slick, huge beast of a of a building with like all of this infrastructure behind it and a management team. And trying to get those two things to sync up, run by the same person who, for example, like wants to have ice cream on her menu in a certain location, but unfortunately not able to do that because of the rules of, of what's allowed to be on your menu. And just so many different things just made me kind of have a real reevaluation, And I think it was because I caught COVID in July, which was awful because I lost my taste and smell for a really long time, but it's back now. So now I can talk about it with like joy in my heart <laughs> a little bit. Um, but I wouldn't wish it on anyone. It was horrible. But yeah, getting COVID was kind of when I knew I needed to change everything because I was at home, I was sick, I was in bed. And I realized that I couldn't even take 10 days off without it being chaos. And I didn't understand why, because I work for myself. Mm. Like, I literally couldn't put the equation together. I was like, how do I work for myself? And I can't even take 10 days off to be unwell. Not to go on holiday, not to go to someone's wedding or go on a retreat. 10 days off in bed in the same country that my business is running in. And it's it's not possible. Like, people are speaking to me about, like, oh, okay, so how are we going to do this donut? Or how are you going to make this happen? And I'm having to put in orders on my on my laptop when I can't even lift my arms because I was in so much pain. That's how bad I had the COVID. And I was like, you know what? This isn't for me. And as soon as I made that decision, and I literally made the decision, like, so I make decisions very quickly. I like to rip the Band-Aid off. I don't hmm. understand people who dilly-dally about that. Like, I literally am like, I'm not doing it anymore. So I called them whilst I was in bed and I, at the guys at Seven Dials and I was like, I'm sorry, I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to be there. Um, I hate it. I'm like really starting to hate it. And this is not to them. Like, they didn't treat me badly. 
The space was beautiful. I'm sure I could have made it into something great if I'd stayed longer, but I just didn't enjoy it. Um, and I think that may seem like a really trivial reason to some people, but the quality of my actual life is way more important to me than mm. anything I do with this business. Otherwise, why do it? Why oh, run yeah. a business if the quality of your life is decreasing? It literally, like the equation once again does not make sense. So as soon as I kind of made that realization of, oh my gosh, I'm actually doing something that's negatively affecting my life and yet that's why I started this, I need to not do this anymore. So yeah, so I don't do it now. And now we've gone into events and pop-ups and I, as much as I'm physically in pain today from the festival we did yesterday, because it was absolutely the most stressful day, um, I feel much happier. Mm. Like I'm home on a Monday, which was impossible three months ago. There's no way I would have been home doing nothing on a Monday. It wouldn't be possible. Dreamy. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, very nice, very nice. So, yeah, I mean, like you kind of alluded to at the start, so it's now events and the home deliveries. Yes. Any other strings to that bow? Um, To be honest with you, I don't want to do too much. Like, I just kind of want to stick in the events. First of all, I love doing the events. I love it, I love it, I love it. Um, Yesterday, if you'd asked me that question, I would have given you a completely different answer. (laughs) But today, I love it, I love it, I love it. Because, I mean, the events, while you're doing them and before them, are very stressful. So, like before you do the event there's so much that goes into planning the event like it's on you the responsibility of how smoothly your pitch runs and I'm responsible for so many different event staff in the day it's a lot but once the event's over the feeling of achievement like oh my gosh we've done that and people have loved what we've done which is my main thing I don't if you ask anyone who works with me the only thing I care about is like seeing people come back multiple times and queue again and again for our product like for me that's that is the best compliment anyone can give me I don't really care about anything else the money's great and whatever but I would do it for free just for that Mm. reaction and I think most chefs will tell you that tell that to you like it's all about how people respond to what you've created and it's such a great feeling so yeah the events um pop-ups as in like birthdays weddings blah 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 and when I say events I mean mainly like corporate Mm. um slash festivals like big scale things where you've got I mean, the smallest ones we, we've we done are like, we're doing one this weekend that's four to 5,000 people. Tiny. Um, but <laughs> yeah, which is, which is tiny, like minuscule. Um, but compared to when we did Lost Village, which was 17,000, and then Metopia over the weekend is like almost 20,000 across the weekend. It's, it's quite a bit smaller, but the one we're doing on the weekend, we're the only dessert there, like literally the only one. So these are things that I really look at and I kind of like work the events in a way that I feel is going to be beneficial for us. Mm. Um, and I don't say yes to every event. There's certain events I, I say no to because like, for example, what, things like wireless, I'm not ready for wireless yet. I'm not, <laughs> I, like I'm really not. I'm definitely not ready for Glastonbury. It wasn't even on this year, but I'm definitely not ready mm. for Glastonbury. That's a fact. I actually think I won't do that for about two, three years, if I'm being honest, because I've heard about traders doing Glastonbury and having like having to have four pitches mm. and having 40 people working for them on that one pitch over the Glastonbury weekend. And I'm like, no, that's not. it's not for me. Not yet. I'm not not quite ready for that yet. Um, but yeah, so the events for us is great. And then we've just launched home delivery. But once again, the home delivery is also sporadic now. So it's going to be on a day that I choose. So if I, like, for example, I was supposed to do it next week as well, but I'm not going to do next week now because now I'm going on holiday. (laughs) But I think basically the strategy for the business right now is as the business owner, as the person who has the control and 
is in the position to make the decisions. I'm now making decisions and doing things that benefit my life as well as me being able to give my customers what makes them happy. Um, and I think before I didn't have that balance, when people talk about work-life balance, that's mine. Um, so that's why doing the events, it affords me the opportunity to do that. Sounds like it's already working out as well if you're heading off on holiday from uh, <laughs> next week. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And so I guess, I mean, sounds like you have a vague, vague idea of Glastonbury in a few, a few years' time or something, but like, what what does the kind of future hold, I suppose, for uh, for the brands as they are now? Yeah, I mean, for me, I really feel like like the events thing is just the smartest thing we can do as a business, personally, um, because we have a product that works really well at events, especially when I say events, I mean, I'm, I'm talking especially about festivals, like corporate, all of that's great. We've, we've been doing that for a while now, and we know how well it works for corporate, because if you're if you work in an office and all of a sudden someone comes in and is cooking you hot donuts, you're never sad. No like, complaints, yeah. Just, yeah. Like your mind is just blown, like you're sat at work and someone's like, oh, there's someone over there cooking hot donuts. And you're like, oh my God, what the, like, how's this happened? Um, but when you then translate that into like festivals, it, festival things have to be really quick like you have to be able to do things in a couple of minutes um also people are now very much like the standard of food at festivals is as much higher than it was before and i'm very grateful for that because i actually decline things where i can see that the other food traders are of really low quality if i'm being perfectly honest like if i there's been certain markets i've been asked to do i won't name them because <laughs> i don't like to name and shame Damn. but yeah there's certain markets yeah no I, I i would love to be the exclusive on that i actually did i actually did one of them once i will tell you eventually but not on it <laughs> um and i will never forget this day i did this market it was the most expensive market i have ever done can't quite believe i even paid the pitch fee and on the day while I was trading there, it was a terrible day. None of us did well. It was absolutely atrocious because it was just when COVID had started. So it was that period of time. So and because this market is very much a tourist market, there was no people. Hmm. So anyway, long story short, I was at that market. It was a terrible day. Um, and then I was asking one of the traders, I was like, oh, what's good to eat here? Like, who should I eat from? What's your favorite? And they literally said to me, they're like, nothing, it's all terrible. They're like, don't eat here. Wow. <laughs> and that for me, I was like, wait, are you joking? And they're like, no, seriously, I've had food poisoning from here twice. Like, don't do it. Oof. Exactly. And it was at that moment that I was like, oh, okay. Um, and I, that was actually what made me the, made the decision for me to never trade there again. I mean, I wasn't really because the pitch fee was ridiculous anyway. But I also, that that sentence made the decision for me because I don't like to be in the company of food that I don't respect. I just think that's ridiculous. Sure. Um, I, I really do, I don't understand how people do it. I'm like just happy to trade anywhere and that's fine for them, but that, I'm not that person. Like I have so much integrity because I believe our product is incredible. How could I be next to somebody and I don't think the same about theirs, which is why I loved Nettle because all the food is mm. so great. Like so, everyone is doing something, it's so, so good. Um, and same with Seven Dials, like I really believe that as well. So yeah. Um, I think the main thing is to kind of, I want to go into doing really high profile events. I especially want to get all the big festivals next mm. year that, but just not the Glastonbury's. The more volume you put out, right, the much harder it becomes to control the quality. Right. That yeah. scares, it scares the life out of me. And I was having this conversation actually with Terry from Happy Endings when we were at Meetopia and I was like talking to her about that. Um, and she was like, yeah, it gets harder and harder. Like the more you churn out, the harder it gets to control. Um, I don't think she has that problem. She was pretending like she relates, but we've all had our ice cream sandwiches and there is no issue 
no issue there yeah um but yeah it just so for me if i was going to do those events i would kind of have a system in place that means like every single one is still being made to the quality that i want because at the moment we actually make all the donut bites by mm. hand at the festival on the day so like we go with all the dough and then we're physically making so people are watching us make the bites whilst they're ordering uh -huh. and as great as that is it's also like so much pressure because yesterday at one point we had to stop because we'd run out, make some more. It's just a whole situation. So yeah, I'm working on it. That's the strategy, big events, um, work a few days in a month and then have as much time off as I want and just keep doing that until I decide what I want to do next. And then of course, focus on like dessert party and all of those other things. Hmm. And, and do you have yeah, other irons in the fire already lined up for? um kind of my other thing next year is like i want to go into actually putting on my own events like mm. i want to that's my next thing which is the more i say it the more madness i realize it is like i actually can't believe people choose to put on events and i'm one of them like i don't understand it because events are nothing but stress yeah. whoever puts it on you never enjoy it but i really want to put on events to do with people of color within food that's my main thing because I just think it's so sporadically done mm, um, yeah. in terms of, you know, you, you'll go to a restaurant and be like, oh, it's, oh, it's black owned or, oh, this is Asian owned or, oh, this is owned by somebody who's from this country and you don't realize. And mm -hmm. um, whereas I, so many people want to support businesses from people of color. They just don't know where to go to yeah. do that. And I think what an amazing idea it would be to have something like that all in one space um, in a way that's accessible for people and that kind of merges every part of the culture. So that's what I'm working on right now. It's going to be a big thing if it does happen, I hope. How I'm going to make it happen, ask me that later. Yeah, I, I was going to say, it sounds very ambitious, but also very worthy. Yeah, Incredibly ambitious, incredibly. But I just think... I talk about it all the time and I'm doing nothing about it. Like I talk about how much it annoys me seeing food being appropriated all the time. Mm. I don't do a thing, a thing to fix it. So I'm like, stop moaning about it and do something about it. That's kind of where my headset is at the moment, like where my mind is. Nice. Oh, oh yeah. Look forward to seeing what happens on the, on the horizon. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, so do I. <laughs> One other thing that it would be very remiss of me not to mention is that you also named as one of the Forbes 30 under 30 for 2021. How cool is that? <laughs> I really do forget about the Forbes thing until someone reminds me. And then I'm like, oh my God, that, that really is a big deal. And I'm very proud of it because once again, and I promise you I'm not lying, this was on my vision board. <laughs> and I, I'm not lying to you, it was on my vision board a year before it happened to me. Wow. And I was like, I need to get this before I turn 30. And the reason why is because I'm a huge fan of Connor Walker who runs House of CB. Huge, huge fan of her. Like I, like I idolize what she's done with her brand. So that was on my vision board. So when the Forbes thing happened, I actually didn't think it was gonna happen because they don't tell you. You don't know until the day it comes out. Nobody tells you this. So I right. thought, yeah, like, so what happens is they, I I don't know who put me forward for it. I have no idea. Um, Cause I, I thought I was like, oh, should I put myself forward? And I was like, I'm sure nobody gets it if they put themselves forward. So somebody did and still to this day, I don't know who it was, but I got an email in like the March, I think it was, or the, it might've been just before that. And they were like, hi, um, urgent email. We need this information from you from the Forbes team by, by tonight. Like they was right. like, we need this information today. And they didn't just email me once, they emailed me twice. And then I know someone who works for Forbes 
So I messaged them and I was like, "Is what's going on here? And they were like, I'll be honest with you, there's like a 90% chance you're on the list. But they were like, don't get excited because you could be taken off in a heartbeat and the mm. day it comes out, it might not be you. And I was like, okay. So I just didn't think about it. And then the morning it happened, I was in the kitchen and like I got an email saying, congratulations, it's out, you're on the Forbes, welcome to the Forbes club. And I literally was just sat there staring at my phone for ages and I didn't believe it. And then I went on the thing and I was like, wait, is it real? Like it really happened. And then I called my mom and I called my dad and like everyone was crying and it was like a big thing. But it is one of the proudest things that has ever happened to me, like ever. And it just, it's nice to be on a list of people as well that I really respect because mm. we discussed that before. I'm really big on things like that. So for me, that was amazing. Yeah, it's an amazing accomplishment as well. It feels like a bit of an understatement to kind of get it in, a, in an email. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I feel like because when you get something like you think they're gonna like do a ceremony actually mm. no they do normally do one sorry actually I should have said that they do normally do a ceremony and there's normally one that happens and they actually fly you out but because of COVID oh. <laughs> I know fuming gutted. I honestly couldn't even tell you how gutted I am <laughs> um so bringing it back to kind of foodie stuff I suppose um what would you say is kind of the the favorite thing that you've like made so far or if you had a signature dish i guess what would you what would you say oh my goodness honestly it's like asking me to choose between the children i don't have um <laughs> but every parent has a favorite let's not pretend i'm definitely my parents favorite so if i had to pick a favorite it would probably be so we did a donut um last year that was just ridiculous it was a like it was one of the filled donuts the cold ones and it was filled with like this salted caramel chocolate filling that I made by accident I just I wasn't I was really tired in the kitchen I wasn't thinking and I instead of pouring the hot double cream into the chocolate I poured the caramel into the chocolate it melted the chocolate it became a thing we put it in a donut and like literally everybody just kept saying, this is ridiculous, this is ridiculous. Like, what is this? How did you do this? And I actually couldn't work out how I did it for ages because I did it. It was all an accident. So it wasn't meant to happen. It was like, what the hell? Um, but the one that we're bringing out in the box this month has got that, pretty much got oh, that donut in, except it's like a miso one instead. And it's like the miso shortbread. So that's one of my favorites. And then the other one is the apple crumble filled hot donut bites is my absolute favorite thing we've ever made. It is unbelievable. The only reason it's not on the menu often is because it is hell on earth to make because I hate peeling apples. Um, every, every chef has a thing they hate doing. Every chef has a thing that they hate doing. And mine is peeling apples. I can't bear it. Um, but we are bringing it back for winter because we're doing, I can't talk about it yet, but we're doing a really exciting pop-up for like Christmas. Like really exciting yeah it's gonna be great and it's happening for two months and it's gonna be every day and yeah but that will be coming back then but i just i have to bring it back as in small increments because it's just too painful to do the apples (laughs) but otherwise yeah that would be my favorite just hire a yeah full-time apple peeler on the side Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't mind cutting them i don't mind i also don't like coring apples though either like it's just Mm. they're just a demonic fruit but they're so (laughs) delicious yeah it's a a big trade-off yeah yeah (laughs) It is. It's like how some people hate doing butternut squash. That's how I feel about apples. Mm, fair, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, so extending the topic of favourites then and moving away from, from donuts, I guess, for, for the first time, like when you sort of get out and about in London to eat, um, what would be your kind of favourite places to go? Oh, my God. Can I just say, I hate this question because it hurts me so much. I have a thousand things on my list. I, I Like I said, I hate it because there's so many things I love. So 
Okay, can we do it in categories? Because it's going to really stress me out otherwise. Shoot. Let's start with meat, because I'm a big meat girl. I tried being vegan for like three days. Didn't work for me, but great for everyone else. Congrats, but I can't do it. So for me, meat, I'm obsessed with Hawksmoor. Obsessed, obsessed. The steak is un... I had a steak from them two weeks ago, and honestly, I've not stopped thinking about it. <laughs> I've actually not. It's been on my mind for ages, and I want to go back. Bleaker for a burger bleaker burger is so solid it means nothing just cheese the bun the burger it's unbelievable what's my other burger in london that i love there's another yeah burger and beyond <laughs> so i am obsessed with burger and beyond not just for the burger i love the burger it's wonderful but the other thing i love from burger and beyond is their dirty tater tots mm. are they're crafted by god himself i just want to put that out there so if you're wondering who made them don't worry about the founder God himself made them because they are ridiculous. That's a quote um, they can definitely pull and get on the website, Eric. <laughs> and I think they should because I tell them everywhere they go. And then last but not least, my favourite place to go and eat in London is Balthazar's in Covent Garden. Right. I love it with all my heart. The food is wonderful. The service is even better than the food, which is truly an, uh, like it's an achievement because the food is incredible. Their lobster is wonderful. Their steak is delicious. The cocktails are fantastic. The atmosphere, like when I go to Belsas, I'm there for four or five hours. Like I can't leave the table. It's just so good hmm. there. Um, and then dessert, um, I am absolutely, so this is my new obsession and I know I'm late to the party and I know you are a massive fan of this place and rightly so. Mama Sons okay, yeah. is the new love of my life. I tell everybody about Mama Sons. It's just so good. The food's delicious. The staff, the service is incredible, which is a thing I care about. Mm. I don't like going to places where people don't treat me nice. I really don't. They are just so friendly, so fun. I love that it's also open late night as well. So you can like go there after a dinner and it's still going to be open. Their donuts are actually some of the best I've had. Like incredible. Love them. I tell everyone to have their donuts because they're so good. Um, and I also had their ube brownie, which mm. I just don't know how they do what they do, but it's yeah. just <laughs> It's freaking wonderful. Do you know what? I know this is not going to be a very popular opinion cool. for a lot of people. <laughs> it's like very controversial when I say, I, I, actually, this is probably the most controversial thing I've said on this whole thing. But I'm a really big fan of a Pizza Hut cookie dough. And I just don't understand why I'm not allowed to say that out loud. I wasn't but expecting I really that, am. I have to say. <laughs> you, were, you weren't expecting that. <laughs> it is amazing. It is honestly, it's so simple. It's such a great cookie dough. Obviously, we know it's not got the great ingredients in and like it's probably not free range anything, but it's freaking delicious. Mm. And I just think sometimes with dessert, the simplest thing is the best thing. Like I like a hot brownie with ice cream or I like a hot cookie dough with ice. like I'm a really simple girl when it comes to dessert. Like you don't have to do a million one things for me to love it. Um, and I just think, yeah, I just think it's a great thing. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I mean, yeah, that's that's a, definitely a very good lineup. And yeah, as as you mentioned, you're definitely preaching to the choir on uh, the Mama Sun side of things for sure. <laughs> I thought so. Um, so the the last kind of quite tricksy question that I've been asking the people that I talk to is kind of what do you think is going to be the next big like trend on the London food scene? Ooh, to be honest with you, I actually think every like all the food trend is going to be led by tiktok mm. i don't think people actually i think so many of us is like i'm one of my things this week is i'm actually dedicating a day to like a tiktok strategy because it is that big of a thing mm. i don't think people have even understood because it's happened so quickly like pre-lockdown 
I hadn't even really heard of TikTok. Like I just, I wasn't bothered about it, hadn't heard of it. Even in lockdown, I was resisting it for like the first two months. And then I spent one day on there and I was like, oh, this is why everyone loves it. And now I'm on TikTok like two, three hours a day because it's so addictive. So I really think all of the food trends that we're gonna see going forward are very much gonna be led by it being, I hate, like, you know how people use the word Instagrammable, mm. but it being like, TikTokable, if that's even a sure, word, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm sure the kids wouldn't say that. And it makes me sound very uncool, but you know, but yeah, I, I really think it is like, there's so many, so this is how I know TikTok is really like changing the game in every industry. The other day I was going for dinner, I was going to go to dinner with one of my best friends. And she was like, where should we go? I was like, do you know what, babe? I actually can't, I, I can't really think of a place. I was like, I'm just going to go on TikTok and see which restaurants I've saved. I wasn't going to Google it. I wasn't going to go on open table and search for the reviews. I was going to go to TikTok and that was what I was going to use to decide where we were going to eat. That was when I knew, like, oh, this is really taking <laughs> the over. The future is here, yeah. The future is here. So, yeah, I think it's going to be very TikTok-led. I think the hospitality industry is going to be quite slow to catch up to it because it doesn't like change. And it's very much, like, about traditions. But I tell you who has, one chef who has, Gordon Ramsay, mm. is flying on tiktok he's got millions of followers i think i think i'm sure he has and all his videos get hundreds of thousands of content. people are obsessed with him on tiktok like they love him um because he does fun videos and he's under whoever works on his um social team understands how big of a deal it is so yeah i think it'll be tiktok led that's what i think is going to happen nice yeah i mean that's hard to argue with that to be honest yeah the way things are going for sure it's amazing it's truly the best app it's the, if of all the apps have had to delete anything It'd be everything else and TikTok would be the only one I'd keep because that's how much I love it. Strong so, words. <laughs> very strong words. It is because I love Instagram. I really do. But TikTok, yeah, she's one for me right now. Nice. Well, yeah, thank you very much for that. Very considered answer. Um, and yeah, th thanks for the uh, the whole chat as well. Um, very enlightening and entertaining. <laughs> and a couple of extra recommendations in there as well. But yeah, no, thanks very much for taking the time to uh, chat to me about this. And um, yeah, I mean, I wish you all the best with your holiday, first of all. <laughs> Thank um, you. Very excited. And yeah, all things delivery and events and whatever else uh, the future holds for you. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. This was so much fun. I really appreciate it. Cheers. I'll catch you soon. All right, then. <laughs> See you later. And there you have it. So thanks once again to Lungi for taking the time to chat to me. Keep an eye out on the Treats Club and Dessert Party Instagram pages to see where you can find her stuff, or maybe even book an event for yourself. You can find me on Instagram at Mike Eats London, or follow the pod at Mike Meets London. If you did enjoy the episode and you get the chance, it would be great if you're able to leave us a rating or review wherever you listen. It's really helpful for getting this into more people's ears. See you next time.